Last time on Distinguished Adventurers, Thaviapin, El Torito, and Zephalin caught the pickpocket that had taken some gold from Thaviapin and allowed them to leave after apologizing and returning the stolen gold. Una finished her conversation with the innkeeper and the mysterious dwarf who could speak in thieves' cant just as the other three returned. They all finished out the night discussing what information they know about the city, the explosion, and where they can find more information before heading to bed. And that is where we pick up our story already in progress. How early in the morning would you like to wake up? Just in general, we don't need like a specifics. Long rest button. I feel like Una's been on like military time, so she wakes up pretty early. Just kind like of dawn naturally. Kind of thing? You know that thing where you're like, you've been getting up really early in the day, you can sleep at, and you're just like, like she just lays in her <laughs> bed and she goes, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, in your bed on your phone. That's that's horrible. Not long after you get up, you see El Torito in his very similar to what he was wearing when you first met him at Irwin's place. And so it looks like he's going to go on a run. And he's like, I got a pretty good uh, view of the street, so I think I have a good uh, running path. See you. And he jogs out the door. Una's just staring at him. And she's just going to say... I assume, is this, like, what are we looking at down here? Because I'm picturing the, the Golden Griddle. In terms of the, like, the, like, tavern, is this Airbnb, like, you've got stuff on the sideboard style? Is it, you know, breakfast is included, so, or is it order something? You get a very, very basic breakfast with your instay. The rooms are clean, but incredibly basic. There's no tchotchkes. There's no, you know, we've bought this piece of art to hang on the wall and we've commissioned it to happen like 12 times. It is utilitarian in the rooms. Downstairs, it's kind of an open area that is illuminated by candles and doesn't have a lot of windows. So it's got a little bit of a stuffy feel to it. Uh, but there is a really nice polished stone bar that is the, where the servings happen and a very large hearth to the left of the stairs that lead up to these rooms that seems to be a, kind of a gathering place for a lot of folks who are coming in either, you, you think maybe workmen getting some coffee before they, they head out for the day. It all has the air of comfort and practicality. Everything is nice. But simple. All the, the chairs and tables are sturdy, really well-made, but nothing fancy. There's really nothing decorating the walls. It's just a really nicely made inn. The hearth is kind of the only thing that is a literal centerpiece. And because there really aren't any windows in this lower floor, like I said, it's it's a little stuffy because of the candles and the the, the lights around. But once again, you get the you get the sense of practical versus ostentatious. And the coffee is decent. Uh, Una's going to do the, the cartoon thing of like pouring out a cup of coffee and then taking the coffee pitcher. But also as she comes down this morning, like I think I had her be dwarven, right? She was uh, uh, on the shorter side, but I don't remember offhand. But she can come down as whatever she would like. So she looks like she looked yesterday. and. If you knew her, you'd go, she changed her hair. And then you'd be like, huh. And she'd be like, no. And be like, okay. Um, because she has slowly made herself more like half human, half dwarf. And she looks a little bit more like the locals. It's really subtle. But she's like slowly but surely, like she's kind of gotten an idea of what everybody 
like, this is sort of how everybody, like, does their, like, every, you know, like, it's, like, the inside-out braid versus the regular, like, the little tiny things. It's just, like, tiny little changes, like, oh, the average height here is about this. And so she's a tiny bit taller than she was, but not noticeable. And it's just, like, you know, her facial features look like she's made, maybe she put on some makeup? I don't know. Like, why are her, like, why do her cheekbones look a little more prominent? Like, why, you know, like, why, why are her eyebrows, like, a little, like, bigger or smaller, you know, just, just little things, just little changes, little tiny changes so she can blend in a little bit better. And while there's a variety of people here, the vast majority are humans and dwarves. And, yeah, they do tend to have uh, warmer skin tones, darker hair, just in, in general, as far as a population goes. That's kind of a what a lot of the people have. And their hairstyles vary quite a bit. But you do notice a lot of people have quite long hair then done up in a variety of either utilitarian braids and buns and things or more elaborate hairstyles. So we, we know El Torito's on a jog. Una is down in coffee. and how about you? Uh, Thavio takes a sip of the coffee, reaches into his pocket, grabs a clove of garlic, breaks it in half, throws half the clove in there, takes another sip, and says, ah, much better. You see the bobbing hair of El Torito pass by the window. All you see is the top of his head, as he's clearly doing laps. Thavio will raises his cup. He doesn't even know if El Torito sees him or not, just sort of like, sort of gives a cheerful good morning gesture with his cup of coffee. And Zephelin, how about you? Zeph, uh, being a morning riser, uh, has come downstairs, and this morning they are more masculine presenting. All right. Is there anything you'd like to do this morning, or, or once El Torito's done doing laps, are you off to the... It sounded like you are going to the Kiln District to try to find a place to buy information, as it were. Weren't we going to the archives first? thought it was archives. I thought we were just doing one. I thought we decided that, like, did we really need to go to the archives to surreptitiously find information? We could oh, just right. ask someone I about. think we were going to do yeah. both. We were going to do both together. Sorry, I thought we were just doing one. What I, my, I guess my, my intent last night was to say, what do we think we need to find out in the archives that we can't just find out by buying something and asking, hey, we've been hearing about this explosion? We can do both. But we can use the archives as a backup. Okay, so do the Killen District first. Okay. We can see what we get from the Killen District. And if we, yeah, if we get everything we need from there, then yeah, there's no reason to go to the archives. Okay. At this point, El Torito kind of strides in. He's pretty, pretty sweaty. Uh, oh, what are we having this morning? Uh, anybody have qualms against bacon? I love a bacon. Bacon's great. Let's get some bacon. Bacon? Oh, do you eat pig? Never had it before. Great. It's delicious. Do you have any religious objections to any specific foods? I don't have a religion, so no. That works. Do you have any personal moral objections to any specific foods outside of just taste? I won't eat anything that can do calculus. Pigs cannot do calculus <laughs> yet. But I have heard of pigs flying. Eating flying animals does not bother me. At this point, El Torito's like walking down and he's got his usual garb on. He's like buckling buttons and he hears that and just freezes. Although I do like the, I won't eat anything that can do calculus. I feel like in, in a world like that Dungeons is the episode and Dragons. Title. Thanks, yeah, thanks, Morden. Yeah, like <laughs> that is, if you needed to come up with a one-line explanation of what you will and will not eat, that's a, a pretty good way of, of, of placing it. I can't even take credit for that. That's a game company, Edmonton. Hold on a second, because it seems like a moral hard line. So here's my, this is Julia, the person going, there's a lot of human beings that cannot do calculus. 
But I think what you intend (laughs) is that you will not eat any species that has the mental capacity to do calculus, whether or not that individual has mastered it. Aggregate. That's all he said. It's like um, Gusteau's. Anyone can cook is what he says, but he doesn't mean that everyone can cook. He says that a good cook can come from anywhere. I can rephrase. I won't eat any species capable of calculus. The can was doing a lot of heavy lifting in that very, (laughs) very fun sentence. Given how badly I did in calculus, that's actually comforting. The bacon that is here at this place is quite good. They have a variety of like breakfast meats, actually. And you get the sense a lot of the people that are coming in here that are locals, they're coming in for like a good hearty meal before going off to whatever it is they're doing for the day. And it's super fresh. In fact, Ophelia will talk about how just outside of town, there's a a very popular and very well-respected basically farmstead for cows, pigs, uh, any of the livestock animals. And so they're able to get very, very fresh meat in on a regular basis. Una would like to play a game with El Torito. You catch him like mid-shoving a couple of pieces of bacon in his mouth. That's fine. She's, this, is, this is a game for Jonathan to approve. The goal here is that Una's is playing a game called Keep an Eyeball on Your Money. It's a game he's going to learn through okay. bacon. Okay. Where El Torito is going to look down and find he doesn't have any bacon on his plate. And Una's going to go, oh, do you want some of mine? I don't think I'm going to finish it all. And she hands him the bacon. And as he's eating the bacon she gives him, she's going to take the rest back. And we're going to continue on with this game. <laughs> to see if El Dorito understands that the bacon keeps moving back to Una's plate while he's not looking. Every time bacon appears on El Dorito's plate, he eats it goblin style. And then he kind of looks around. And then when more bacon appears on his plate, he eats it again. This is this... no. The idea is that the bacon's on Una's plate. You're like helping yourself to bacon from the communal platter. And Una's just like, mm-hmm. And you go, oh, I want more bacon. I go, donut, you don't have to call for more. You can have some of mine. That's the bacon you grabbed for yourself. She's just giving you your own bacon back in a cycle. As you do eat it, you get to eat all of it. You're never going to uh, be without he, bacon. He flows with the cycle. He doesn't question it. He doesn't he, question he just, it. I don't even have to roll to see if she tricks him by taking his bacon. He is, as, as long as there is a flow of bacon, he doesn't say anything. As, as long as there, the bacon flow continues. That's a yes. subtitle. I won't eat anything in this calculus. As long as there's a flow of bacon, we're fine. Please, two separate sentences. Two separate sentences. <laughs> um, and she's going to look at Thubby up and, and she's going to kind of be like, this is how stealing happens. And she's just going to be explaining it to him. And she's going to look down. And, and she's going to be like, oh, El Torito, I think you're out of bacon. I'm not going to eat all mine. Do you want this? Oh, please. Okay, here you go. And he's eating, and then she's just going to take the pieces back. The cycle ends when there is enough bacon that can that El Torito can shove it all in his mouth, and there's nothing to steal. Like, because he's finished, like, whatever is, has been placed in front of him. Before this, like, there was enough bacon to continue the cycle, and, and whenever, however many rounds it takes, it ends when there's enough on the, that he can shove them all in his mouth. Then she says, you do street magic. You know about misdirection. You've got actual magic, but you know. In the case of pickpocketing, sometimes you're the misdirection. You cause it yourself. But oftentimes, they're just looking for someone who's misdirected themselves. You're paying attention to the wrong thing. It's mostly opportunity. 
And and she's like considering reaching down and grabbing like El Torito's purse while he's just. You just got to make sure you don't have to have a tight grip on everything you're doing. You just have to look like you're not worth it. And then she reaches over in plain sight of Thuvi up in to grab bacon, giving him plenty of opportunity to slap her hand away. Thuvi up is just going to move the plate, the whole plate away. Just grab the whole plate, like, uh, uh, and he's going to finger wag with the other finger, like the kid baby jumbo. And she says, <laughs> Or whatever manner you're accustomed. <laughs> and there we go. And she's going to load more bacon onto El Torito's plate, very obviously, and then take two pieces. Like, she's going to begin the cycle and be like, you don't have to be fat, the fastest person. You just have to be faster than your slowest friend. Oh, um, I, I guess I have to worry about you because I'm pretty fast. Actually, no, it comes out. I guess I have to worry about you. Bacon. Bacon. Lauren, yes. is uh, reduced cholesterol, does that fall under the umbrella of lesser restoration? <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like I'm going to have to prevent Ultorina from having More a heart like attack here. More like lesser cholesterol. Okay, so you say that if El Torito has a heart attack, he's actually easier to bring back to life. Okay, but what if you never died in the first place? I'm going to say that the fortunate thing of having someone as powerful as the the four of you around can avoid many things, one of them being the cost of high cholesterol. Also, I will remind everybody that I don't eat bacon, and so I'm more inclined to be like, all the cholesterol, yes, but but y'all are enjoying it. <laughs> I'll be up injecting on a comment on what do you think when you take a bite of the bacon. I understand the appeal, but I don't think this is for me. It's at that point, I'm going to say that Ophelia comes over to clear a couple of plates, and when you say that, she'll say, I've heard that they make this out of uh, turkey as well. Uh, you should give that a try. Maybe just a different flavor. But the pigs around here, they're they are just, if you're into it, the pork is real good. And she walks away. <laughs> Technically also not kosher, depending on who you oh, are. Oh, yeah. Right. Isn't that wild? The best the yeah. best alternative to bacon, depending on it. Wait, where hold you... on. Turkey bacon may not be kosher? It might not be. Yeah, de- it oh. depends on oh, how it's kosher made. Is a th- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, okay. yeah. originally, certified. turkeys didn't exist in the old world. And despite the fact that they're clearly a bird, there is an entire subset of scholars that argue that they can't be kosher because they're not, they weren't pre-demarcated. It's a whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. It's it, a whole thing. That's also why uh, you end up with people who can say things like giraffe are kosher, which is wild, and you know what? It's the whole thing. The, because the world at the time all this was written down, Didn't giraffes know. were known animals and turkeys weren't. And it's that kind of logic. And it's to yeah. me one of the greatest traditions of 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 Jewish culture is they have to chew their own cut, right? Isn't that one of the rules? Deep scholarship weird. and arguing over things. And I love it. Unless you get into the weeds of it, which can be fun sometimes because you find out things like giraffe or kosher. A lot of it, once again, just boils down to health concerns and especially health concerns in a world in where not everybody understood how bacteria can be spread and how the rabbis were the only people who had any kind of education who could at least understand some of that. And that's where a lot of this came up from. Think about the 
biggest parasite that's transmitted by pork that we don't have to deal with because we live in the US and Canada. And then the theology of like the idea being that, you know, it reminds you of your connection to God, like the idea that certain animals are licensed and certain are not, is understanding that all food is sort of the grace of providence. At least that's the theological argument that I've heard from rabbis. Yeah, there's a bunch of different real world and theological arguments. In the end, the reason that Turkey got It is technically kosher, and if you prepare it correctly, it is actually kosher. But there's this whole thing about raptors and whether – and they're not kosher, and there was a – there was confusion whether turkeys were raptors. I mean, the thing about the reason that the rabbis had to hardcore discuss about the giraffe is because you're supposed to do a specific thing at the base of the at the neck. Oh yeah, you've got a giraffe oh, no. that has a giant neck. Where <laughs> where, where, you, where does the was, giraffe wear a tie? Where does the <laughs> neck here. happen? Down here, you don't. <laughs> humans don't wear their ties up by their chin. Giraffes don't either. Some humans do, and some I've seen humans with no necks. <laughs> That's not their. <laughs> they're not kosher. Like the they giraffe can, that. They can't do calculus, and they're not kosher. <laughs> I feel like the draft from Madagascar wore a tie at one of those movies. I gotta go back and watch them now. It, it's also the how does a centaur wear pants however they want to. Because you know what? When a centaur is walking up to you, you're not going to argue about how they're wearing pants. Yeah, but the point of pants is 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 to keep – and it's like cover is one thing, but you cover your genitals so that they're safe. It's like where is the centaur's genitalia? That's where you put the pants. Keep your genitals from getting hit or cold or, you know, like dirty. And yeah, that's, that's, that to me, pants are for warmth and nobody wants a cold butt. I'm subscribing to your sub stack. I like that idea. And this is the conversation y'all are having as you leave the bouncy dog bar and in and head not terribly far. The Distinguished Adventurers are huge fans of Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and more. Every week there's something new happening in the game, and it's available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on November 19th at 8 p.m. Pacific. So open up your game, go to the shop, and type in this code. T-E-G-S-F-R-A-B-D-A-L-I. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Both on purpose and a little bit accidental, you had found a place to get food and stay that is right next to the Kiln District. And especially Zephalin, you do notice that the natural way that you are walking across ends up crossing this very large cross street that is obviously not just a big thoroughfare, but the demarcation between the Merchant District and the Kiln District. And you walk through, not in the same way that the thief did, but there's these stalls that have now reopened for the day that are mostly like pop-up tents, and a lot of them are selling pottery. Bits and pieces here and there. This seems to be like 
a variety of either a specific kiln has an overflow of something. One of the pop-up tents seems to be discounted pieces from a couple different kilns that are the, they've got imperfections, but they're still usable. And so these little tiny tents all seem to have a, a different lane that they are focused on. And as you walk through them to the other side, you enter the kiln district proper. Obviously, the the smell of the fires and the sound gets a lot more animated as you're essentially entering a a working district, a a lot of actual places that are doing hardcore work, even though you can buy from them. You see that there are lots of different buildings, some way bigger than others, some that are obviously multiple buildings connected or as a single business that are making dozens and dozens of pieces just on a rotating basis. You walk by open air kilns that are in the process of firing stuff at the end of the line of things. You see other places in where dozens of people are all working with clay, with their hands, molding things, shaping things. There's chatter and there's yelling, but it's like the yell that you give to someone across a crowded room to like pass along an order. Some of the places that you pass by, you hear music. You hear some of the kilns people are singing, just like singing to themselves as they do their work. Oh, is it like those like work like like way like wool walking songs where it like keeps the rhythm is this like a like a wheel song where it keeps your foot rhythm to keep the wheel going uh yes and no in some of them absolutely some of them it is uh and you see that those are kind of the larger pieces that some kilns are making that take two or three people to work on at the same time that is absolutely what they're doing the song is not just entertainment but is a rhythm other places most of the ones in where people are working on individual pieces uh smaller things you get the sense that it's it's more just like almost like a sea shanty just kind of something to to sing to keep themselves entertained and occupied one or two places you pass actually you can't quite tell where the music is from. The people in there are not necessarily singing or playing instruments, but you hear music coming from somewhere. And it is loud and boisterous, and it smells of earth and smoke. And what would you like to do? Good. And there are shelves and shelves of all the, like, drying pottery before it gets glazed and fired. Yep. You do notice a lot of that work is... It's not necessarily that you can't see it or that they're hiding it, but it's very obvious that some that a lot of these, especially the open air kilns, they they try to put the people more towards the outside to be away from the heat, but also any of the customers that are walking by, there's not easy access to the, let's say, more delicate parts of the process. El Torito is going to look, is going to, as they browse, he has in mind a piece that he would like, and it's, I'll describe it. Imagine a large teacup, but it has two handles on each side. Because it's not a teacup, it's more like the top of a trophy. And that's kind of what he's looking for, if if any of the stalls have that, uh, like, out on display. Give me a perception check. Awesome at this. 
disadvantage for bacon coma. I'm kidding. I would never. No, 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 no. You're fine. If anything, this is not necessarily a high check because this is a place that is meant to not only make but sell. So we're going to find out how high is not high. Uh, El Torito rolled a five. Okay. With a five. So you're keeping an eye out for, for this specific cup, quote unquote. Something along those specifications. As you all are wandering through and kind of getting the lay of the land and kind of getting used to the the hustle and the bustle, you come across a production house that the front, the front of it, where most of these houses have their storefront where you could actually purchase things, you get excited because they all, it's all cups. It's all cups of various sizes, mugs, teacups. Uh, long-stemmed glasses. Well, this specific house does seem to specialize in drinkware. And while you don't see the double-handed thing that you're looking for, you do find a lot of at least very big mugs. You find some of those mugs that are like basically soup bowls with a handle on the side. And very specifically, one of the other reasons this stands out to you, even though it doesn't have the thing you're looking for, a lot of the kilns have a color scheme that they seem to be known for, but not all of them do the very uh, specific blue and white of the a lot of the porcelain that is very highly sought after. So wait, is this porcelain that they all make here or is it more like a general pottery and some people specialize in porcelain? Both. The specific place that you're looking at right now does seem to be mostly high quality porcelain. So like porcelain, but there's like boneware, there's stoneware, there's like Yeah. Oh, in the in the general district, uh yes, you can find places that are selling all sorts of pottery. But like I'm assuming that you're looking specifically for stuff in the in the vein of ceramics, considering what you're looking for. Well like well no like porcelain is a type of ceramic. It's a very specific yeah. sorry I'm just trying to figure out if they only make porcelain here or they make all kinds of ceramics, but they are known specifically for their porcelain. Yangjing makes all kinds of stuff. The high quality specific thing that the city is known for that is the sought after piece are these blue and white pieces, the, the blue and white porcelain. Okay. And that's what we're trying to find specifically, yes. Uh, you're looking for high quality ceramics. Um, okay. you don't know exactly whether it needs to be the, the blue and the white, but you're looking for a, a good quality and a good quantity. You don't think it has to be specifically the marquee porcelain that is put out. And especially since what you're also looking for is you're not necessarily buying like 5,000 gold pieces worth of cups. You're looking for the raw ceramic. You're looking for the raw materials that someone can shape into the, uh, the, the planar sphere you're trying. So we're exactly. looking for somebody who'd be willing to get commissioned to shape this. Yes. And this specific spot that El Torito has found does seem, this house does seem to specialize in cups in general. And then they have a variety of color schemes, but the stuff up front that's getting the marquee placement are these blue and white porcelain pieces. And there's a, a barker up front, a dwarven gentleman, it looks like. Big, wide smile uh, on his face. He's got one hand out kind of gesturing to what he's got. And in the other hand, he's got 
what looks like a giant carafe of coffee. It's steaming in the morning sun. And as he is indicating some of the wares that are coming out uh, this morning, he's intermittently pointing at things and then also taking giant sips of this craft. Jonathan, you gonna get your cup? I don't really see what they, what I was looking for. All of this is very, very nice, though. What are you looking for? He immediately makes eye contact with, with you, El Torito, oh. and says, I, you know, we have a variety of things, but that's not to say that I don't have stuff in the back. I, what are you looking for? And El Torito is like, imagine a cup, but it is, uh, it is not a it is kind of a cup, but it all has two handles and it maybe and he doesn't like do a full size. This is not the Stanley cup. This is more like like a nice bowling trophy size cup. Like yeah, along those lines, maybe a little bit bigger. Yeah. Okay. The dwarf nods and says, well, you're right that we don't have anything exactly like that, but that's close enough to a lot of the stuff that we make on a regular basis. Uh, hold on just a second. And you see that he walks over to the side and yells out for someone that you you kind of grab the name Quan Zihao. And moments later, this other dwarf comes walking out. This dwarf that walks out is kind of a an interesting mixture of they're obviously wearing nicer clothes, but then they've got the apron and the uh, stuff over their nicer clothes that shows that they've obviously been also doing some hardcore work. Their hands are covered in drying clay that they're kind of wiping off on a, a cloth. They're a little bit of a taller dwarf with braided black hair. And he's kind of wiping his hands and he looks on through and he says, yeah, what what, what you need? What, what's going on? And they talk for a second and he, the this Quan makes eye contact with you, El Torito, and says, uh, are, are you looking for an actual cup cup? Are you looking for like a... A trophy. This kind of sounds like you're looking for a trophy. I think I would. It, it would fall along the lines of a trophy. Yes. Uh, how big does this production house that I'm now interacting with look? I'll go off of your previous role, and from from what the rest of you kind of see, it oh god. Looks, <laughs> well, once again, a lot of this stuff is like you know, it, it's not like you're you can't see what's going on, you can't hear what's going on. It seems like a pretty decent size. As you were walking by, you saw that there was a probably a good 20, 30 people working in the kiln itself. And from looking at what's presented in their display area up front, they've got a large enough variety that you, you think they're at least like a medium-ish size house. I'm looking at my notes to, to see what... Medium-ish sized house. Medium, yeah, I was looking at what Una had found earlier. It's like, and so Elton is like, Oh, well, uh, I, I don't know how long I'm going to be in town. I was just browsing your wares. Uh, what would be the, the cost of something uh, to make something like this? And and would it necessarily be this? I'm, I'm open to other materials, whatever whatever might be uh, easiest or best to work with. Uh, and he kind of lays out, like, with his hand, the, the size of what he wants. And since I'm not on camera, and I just realized that y'all can't see my hands, uh, it's about the size of a cantaloupe okay. uh, to a human. You watch as he scratches at his beard a little bit and eyes the size you're looking for. You're not as interested in what it's made out of because the, the price range is going to depend about how nice of a ceramic you're looking for. I, I guess I would be, if I had to choose, it would be something sturdy. Sturdy. Okay. Um, Give me a second. As he's making this, he clearly is in the midst of a deal. Yeah. So he's going to go, Una. Oh. Una. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, Una's been casing the joint. Okay. Because that's how she interacts with the world. Not in a, like, intense, she plans on stealing things way, but in a, this is the way Una interacts with the world. So I need a, I need a perception check from Una to case the joint. And then I also want a perception check from Zephalin and Thaviapin for a different reason. While El Torito is wheeling and dealing. Bang. With a plus six, I got an 11. All right, we got an 11 from Zephalin. Thaviapin, how about you? 10. 10. Oh, shit. We're using this d20 from now, and that's a 19. Una is nice in the joint. It's appraisal. It's funny. Real estate appraisers get to call themselves appraisers, but you're a caser. Una is appraising. Una's learned some new language today. Antiques roadshow. Una's appraising. El Torito is is chatting with the person who is essentially like the front office, as you could say. Una, what you get from from listening and from all of the senses of casing the joint, specifically what you get from this kind of front display area, this isn't everything they're selling. This is like display of what they're selling. So as as far as like the looking for, if someone wants to come by and actually want to steal anything, they're only going to be able to get one of each of the things that they're on display. It's like when you don't have the matching shoe out on the, yeah. Exactly. Or like, you know, yes, they're selling an entire four, six, eight, 12 place table set, but they've only got one setting of it out for you to take a look at. So you get the sense that they must have a storeroom somewhere else. And this must be like a a mediumish sized place. You also do notice that while there aren't any like guards anywhere, because of the way this kiln is set up and the way this house is set up, there's a lot of people who can just see in on this area. And the fact that when this other dwarf was called on over, it happened so fast, you think it's all kind of within a, a small area. So your professional opinion would be that until you actually know where they actually house the rest of the goods, it'd be a little difficult to steal stuff. These these people know what they're doing. So you you case the joint. El Torito is doing this conversation. Under the guise of browsing, by the way. Under the guise of browsing. Absolutely. Or maybe actually browsing. You don't yeah, know. A little bit of calm, a little bit of Zephalin and Thaviapin, do either of you speak Dwarven? Check my sheet. No. I go from being a polygon to knowing two languages. Okay. Neither of you understand what is yelled out in Dwarvish into the kiln, but it's obvious that Quan, this dwarf that you were talking with, it's considering the thing that El Torito wants to make, has called out for someone else. And a woman comes up, a human woman, tall, but kind of the tall, thin, wiry, muscular. She's wearing what is obviously someone who's been working on pottery. She is splattered with clay. Even though it's early in the day, it looks like she's already been working for a little while. A human in her mid-40s pulled back black hair into a, a very tight, tight bun with like four of those, I don't know what those sticks are called that actually hold together a bun, but you know what I'm talking about. They're just called hair sticks. I think they're just called hair sticks, but I got short hair, so I don't know. And she comes walking up, and the two of them talk for a brief moment in Dwarvish. But even though you don't understand what they're saying... Oh, El Torito speaks Dwarvish. Okay. Uh, El Torito, give me a perception check. Oh, his last one was great. Yeah, because you're... Do you want me to roll for you? I also have tongues if it feels like it's more than just casual. Uh, nine. With a nine... El Torito will say, 
you pick up a little bit of the conversation just because you're also in the middle of wheeling and dealing. And what you get the idea of just in a general sense is they're discussing making the thing that you want to make. They're, they're discussing basically like how long, what price that you, you think. You think that this is a discussion with somebody who this dwarf trusts to have a better idea about times and all that kind of stuff. Zephalin and Thaviapin, because the two of you aren't actively engaged in anything else and are listening in, even though the, you don't understand what is being said, the both of you very clearly hear Quan call this young woman Tai Meng Ji. Oh. No. Shit. We found her. And it is First with try. that. Well, and Lauren, with that, I will cast tongues on myself. So with that, we're going to pause. But I will say, when you cast tongues on yourself, you do also now hear that, yeah, they're just talking about, oh, you know, if if it's this kind of ceramics, how long will it take? They're, they're talking just basic business of making this custom order for El Torito. But yes, he very clearly calls her Tai Meng Ji. And that is where we'll pause. And the next time we get together, uh, you'll maybe have some more questions here in the Quan Kiln Production House. <laughs> and you made it there. You made it there. Yay. Hooray. Yay. Hooray. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, then visit us at distinguishedadventurers.com. There you can find links to our podcast and social media, pictures and bios of our cast, info on our Patreon, and much more. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our Patreon patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Jesse Florence, Forrest, a.k.a. StabbyQuest, Nate Zakari, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.